Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And that is the end of that intro, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, we miss you, Steve. Steve, the linchpin of our show, the backbone, the glue. If he were, if, if our show were a, a male body, he would be the genitalia. That or the, the, the spine, maybe? No. Steve is the dick and balls of streaming things. <laughs> and proud of it. We are castrated without you, Steve. He doesn't feel well. Uh, he's feeling like a sick boy. Mm. And so we had to carry on, Wayward Sons. Uh, the show must go on. We will not miss a week. Dude, this is you and me getting back to our roots. Yeah, it used to just be you and I. Old school days. Mm-hmm. So all the listeners will get to find out what they were missing on that old show that we <laughs> scoured from the internet. <laughs> so anyway, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll try to stay away from politics. So... Uh, I know last week, uh, first off, welcome to new listeners. Uh, interesting show for you to jump in on. However, uh, at least know that we do carry forth no matter what life may throw us, right? Uh, no matter what, what dreams may come. Uh, but welcome. And uh, old listeners, welcome back. I know that we had promised you, speaking of old listeners, we had talked a bit about <laughs> <laughs> reviewing M. Night Shyamalan's newest film, Old, this evening. But then we had a, a good heart-to-heart as a, as a podcast, as a group afterward. We talked a lot about what works with the show and what doesn't as far as, uh, you know, brass tacks, hard numbers, facts. You know what I mean? Like uh, Ben Affleck's character from The Accountant, the shit he would look at. And Dude, that, I fucking love that movie. That's a good movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it turns out that our, our newer kind of style of reviewing movies day and date when they're released, even though most of them have a streaming uh, release alongside their theatrical release nowadays, a la COVID, uh, those episodes, and, and that I'll go far, I'll go further. Uh, I almost said farther, which had been grammatically incorrect. And that like, would have been wrong. I would have got a tweet from Phil, and I can't stand that. I would have lost a, a hair of respect for you. <laughs> um, I follow E.B. White and William Strunk. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, even though we also do spoiler, you know, uh, bumpers and, and, and non-spoiler reviews for people that haven't seen those films, and we have like an hour of content prior to that review of, you know, Crossing Streams, Check the Gate, uh, our listenership is down considerably-ish on episodes where we're talking about the brand newest spankiness movies on the market because nobody's fucking seen it yet. I, I would assume, <laughs> I don't know that that's, but so we, you that's know, the logic that we're running with. Anyway. Yeah. We talked about it and we're like, so, you know, should we do what we used to do? Just pick whatever and, you know, tear it apart, you know, go line by line and, and, and really do what we seem to be strong at these, these, these deep dives full of Steve's impersonations and my monologues. Mm-hmm. Um, or, should we just, you know, keep doing what we're doing now? Does, we don't know, but we decided to kind of just be a little more free with it, right? So, hey, if there's a new movie, like next week is Green Knight, we will absolutely 100% be talking about that simply because we're so excited about it and we want to. Yeah, we can't not. The week after, same thing, Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad drops. Uh, we're absolutely going to talk about that movie, go see it that night, simply because we want to. But, you know, in the future... If there's a new Michael Bay film and nothing else going on that week that we think people are going to go, it doesn't matter. We're probably not going to talk about that. That's not necessarily our shtick. <laughs> so we're just going to do more a la carte episodes. We think, you know, uh, a bunch of things that we've been watching, what's coming out soon, kind of discuss things. We would love, love to hear more feedback from our listeners, uh, especially regarding that. Um, ultimately, we're going to do what we're going to do, but we do care a lot about what you think about the show obvi because without listeners it's just us talking to each other and we can do that with way less equipment and without paying for rss feed subscriptions and things like that (laughs) so it's important that you like what we're talking about so please write into streaming things pod at gmail.com let me know how you think the show's been going uh what are your favorite segments or your favorite things that we delve into you know would you like to hear us talk about the newest latest and greatest films every week would you find more value in us just watching keanu reeves and speed again dude i still think that's a good idea demolition man love speed Wesley Snipes, Sylvester Stallone, Sandra Bullock. We could do a Sandra Bullock week, Demolition Man and Speed. Oh, shit. Throw in a time to kill to get some drama. Nah. (laughs) We're just talking about 90s right here, right? Oh, okay. Um, Miss Congeniality, one, two, and three. Uh, I don't know. Would you find more value in that? 
that's what we want to know. So email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Also, a little bit more business news. Uh, I want to mention it again because I don't know that it works very well. Please, if you haven't done so yet, take a moment to rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast because that helps us a great deal boosted uh, in the algae rhythms of whatever podcast that was a space jam new legacy reference oh nice <laughs> I didn't uh, wherever you're listening to it, that helps a lot so today we're gonna uh carry on without steve as best we can we are gonna do our normal crossing stream segment sans the wayward son where we talk about the things that we've been streaming since last we met let's do that right now <laughs> That's Matthew McConaughey here, just calling into my favorite show, Streaming Things. I'm not actually Matthew McConaughey, but it'd be a lot cooler if I was. Matthew McConaughey, are you disappointed that we're not reviewing old today? Not at all, my dude. You just got to do what you do. I got a little Snoop Dogg there at the end. (laughs) 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 Which, if you think about it, pretty similar. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm breaking new ground. Next month on Streaming Things, we talk about, is Matthew McConaughey actually Snoop Doggy Dog? He's actually Canadian. He was trying to do a Snoop Dogg accent, and that's what came out, and he just ran with it. Is it it really S-N-O? No, I don't know. I was going to make a joke about double M, but it (laughs) fell before it came out. Where does the double M come? Oh, okay. Matthew McConaughey. Come on, my guy. Oh, my God. He's the next Eminem. Oh, shit. Nice. This is what happens when Steve's not here. (laughs) We do all these conspiracy theories, uh, hip-hop based. So, as I mentioned, Crossing Streams is the segment where we talk about things we've been streaming since last we met. Andy usually starts anyway, so let's do that. Andy, what have you been streaming? Let's do that, man. So, do you ever read about a show no and you just think to yourself that is my shit yes you know what i mean like i I, I think to myself it sounds to be my shit i don't it it doesn't happen super often you know often it's a okay this is probably going to be really fucking good and i'm really excited about it but uh sometimes i'll read a synopsis i'm just like i'm sold like i know it's going to be good i don't even need to find out honestly i don't even really need to watch it i just (laughs) just got the satisfaction review it you know what i mean got that dopamine you're talking about from synopsis alone not yeah well, not taking into synopsis, consideration the actors the premise, and directors the, or the actors okay yeah, sure like, like the of whole course. shebang of course so i was poking around on my apple tv and i found a little show on apple tv plus called for all mankind i've heard good things about have this. you heard of it okay, i have cool i have not watched uh, it actually that's a lie I, somebody tweeted about it like and it was a, a random tweet that like I didn't some lie i haven't that, seen it no i was saying i um <laughs> It was a random tweet that a celebrity that I follow liked, and it just said, you should probably be watching For All Mankind instead. And I have no idea what the context was. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find out what that is, because For All Mankind, that's a, you know, a Neil Armstrong reference. Let's find out. And it was a Neil Armstrong reference. So For All Mankind is an Apple TV Plus original uh, created by Ronald D. Moore of Battlestar Galactica fame, the reboot in uh, like 04. Um, so the premise is in an Alternate alternative version of 1969, the Soviet Union beat the United States in the space race to the moon. You know, like mm-hmm. Kennedy being like, I believe that we can commit to put a man on the moon. I believe that was By Bill Clinton's voice. Uh, you know what? That wouldn't fall off from Kennedy. I, I, stand, I stand behind that. I stand behind that. That was pretty fucking solid. So uh, Soviet Union beats the United States to the moon. And so the space race continues because this is the Nixon administration now uh, when we finally did get to the moon. And uh, he doesn't like to play second fiddle to those damn Soviets. So um, he's like, well, we need to move up the Apollo 11 mission. We need to fucking go. Let's go. Let's go. Dude, and the opening is so badass. And it's kind of spoilers, but it happens within the first five minutes of the first episode. So I don't feel terrible about it. But uh, plus the premise kind of gives it away. It opens. It's masterfully shot. It has a lot of like uh, Apollo 13 vibes. The uh, wonderful Tom Hanks movie. Um, but it is intercut periodically with this uh, fake news footage in like a 70s style. So it'll like change the aspect ratio to four by three. It'll go all grainy. And you think it looks like you're watching like actual news footage from the 
late sixties. And so, uh, it's news footage of the, uh, moon landing as it's starting to happen. And then it will cut to like the cinematic shots of like the families gathering around their little TVs and stuff. And so then you see what you think is Neil Armstrong stepping down onto the moon for the first time. And, uh, the footage is all grainy and shit. And then you expect to hear the, you know, famous words. This is one small step for man, one giant leap for man. mankind nailed it. But the, the dude opens his mouth and starts speaking Russian. And it's like, oh, shit. And I, I, I don't know if you're as much of a space nut as I am, but that is my jam. I guess I just got chills about it, dude. <laughs> I'm a space peanut. Uh, I, I, I got chills watching it. I got chills again thinking about it. But so it's fucking genius, the show. Um, it uh, After that happens, as I said, the Nixon administration wants to start pursuing things. Then they're trying to rush to be the put the first woman on the moon. And so then we get this kind of like hidden figures vibe. And it's all of these uh, women uh, astronaut candidates that are kind of being rushed through the uh, training processes and stuff. And um, it does a really good job of like balancing the drama necessary in this type of fictional show. Like we have to have characters that we care about, some that we hate, some that conflicts that get resolved interpersonally as well as like as far as like the overarching space stuff. So it does a good job of balancing that, but also like occasionally throwing a bone to the nerd me where it's like, yeah, I really want to learn about the limb module and how they trained on that. And I am actually really interested in the uh, angle of re-entry back into the atmosphere and how you might fuck up. It's 45 degrees. You might burn yourself if you go in too sharp or you might bounce off the atmosphere if you uh, go in too uh, weak. Um, It's an excellent show. I'm like four episodes in right now. Um, It stars uh, Joel Kinnaman from uh, Altered Carbon or Suicide Squad. Uh, Chantel Van Santen. She is uh, she plays Billy Butcher's wife in The Boys. Um, That's the only thing that I can really like remember her from. But she does a great job in that. And she does wonderfully in this Uh, has Sarah Jones from the uh, J.J. Abrams show Alcatraz. If you ever watch that. And then uh, Michael Dorman, he was in the uh, Invisible Man recently. And it's neat. Like a lot of these people are real people. Some of them are fictional and it's kind of hard to tell who's who. So it's like got, got this really cool like you believe it vibe. It's kind of like a cross between Apollo 13 and uh, the man in the high castle. It's one of those shows that makes you want to Google stuff after exactly. each episode, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, was that true? So it's is, educational. is this person real? Yeah. I love, I love that shit. So yeah, for all mankind, Apple TV plus highly recommended. I will check it out. Very excited to uh, finish it. I had the opposite experience with what I thought was going to be my jam. When I read about Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. Also an Apple TV Plus thing. It stars uh, Keegan-Michael Key and uh, Cecily Strong uh, from SNL. And, uh, is uh, this a Key musical? Peele, respectively. Kind of. It is a... It, the whole premise is that uh, this couple stumbles into a kind of alternate world where they are living in a musical. And, like, they're two normal people, and they think that they stumbled into, like, a tourist attraction thing, and people are just breaking out into song and stuff. And it's, like, kind of weird vibes. Uh, and eventually they discover, no, this isn't an attraction. These people don't even know that they're singing. That this we, we are in a musical right now. And then this, like, leprechaun pops up to tell them the conceit, basically just to look at the camera and tell you the conceit, like, hey, you have to find true love before you can leave. And there are couples so that are like, uh, do we not have true love? You love me, right? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. All right. Uh, let us out. And, but they don't. And so it's like this weird dude. It's so interesting. Like the way it's shot, it looks like they wandered onto the set of big fish. Remember the town specter? Yes. Like, uh, roses red, violets are blue. I love specter. (laughs) 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 Fucking, uh, trying to, uh, finish his poem. Um, it, it looks like that. And it's like really cool, like this semi green screen, semi real set vibe, like the visually it's really neat. But I swear to God, that movie is fil- or that show is filmed like the camera was nailed to the ground. It is so static all the time. And there's like all this movement and choreography and stuff. But all of these static shots cutting back and forth, it just was shot really poorly for what felt like should have been energetic and fun. And um, it really kind of takes away from it. Also, the music sucks. And that's kind of the nail in the coffin for any musical ever. Like there's in there's like three songs, I think, in the first episode. And one of them was about fucking corn pudding. And it was really bad. None of them were catchy. Uh, Corn pudding's the new meat pie from fucking Sweeney Todd. It it Mm. was 
I'm just sitting there watching this saying Infamous. like, it periodically cut to like, Michael Key is like, I fucking hate these people. And I'm sitting there like, so do I. And that's bad. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I've really thought I was going to like it. Uh, it had a, other really good actors in it. It had uh, Alan Cumming, motherfucking Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It had Kristen Chenoweth. Floops, she, floop, floops, flooglies. <laughs> she, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, she originated the role of Glinda in uh, Wicked. And then she's done tons of other musicals, but like so they got some, so they got some heavyweight theater actors exactly, here. Exactly, right. But they're just not singing good songs. And that's that's a hard thing to say. Dude, it's funny though. It feels like an SNL skit that they somehow decided to expand into a series. And it really probably should have just stayed as a skit. It's fucking produced by Lauren Michaels. And I was like, dude, nailed it. Right. I was, I, when I saw them in the credits, I was like, of course, of course. So anyway, uh, Schmigadoon, which sounds like the name of when you're trying to think of the name of a show, but you can't. And so you just say something dumb to try to make, that's what's actually called Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon on um, Apple TV plus. I mean, I'm going to watch some more of it because I want to like it because it seems like it ought to be my jam just so far. It's really not. Um, so uh, only other things that I've really been streaming. Um, we just actually watched an episode together right before we recorded this. But uh, Explained on Netflix is a TV mini documentary series. Um, they just started their third season. So you and I just watched uh, part of an episode of Royalty while we were eating. Um, but. So it's bite-sized documentaries, and it's always narrated by celebrities. Rosario Dawson was on the one that we were just watching. Um, so the first episode, though, was uh, bait, uh, is called Sugar, and it's all about sugar, uh, narrated by Kerry Russell. Uh, and that, that episode is basically not just about, like, sugar and the health risk and stuff and, like, the addiction side of sugar, which we've all heard about that, and there's so many documentaries out there about sugar. Uh, Fed Up is a really good one, if you ever read that or uh, watched that. Um, but this one is more about, like, the crazy ways that um, scientists and chemists accidentally stumbled into artificial sweeteners. And basically like there was no like lab procedures in the fucking like 50s, 60s and 70s. And a lot of like the stevia and sweet and low and stuff that shit, like they were trying to do something else. And basically like dudes never wore fucking gloves and apparently licked their fingers a lot. And that's how they discovered these fucking artificial sweeteners. It's crazy. Um, but it goes like really deep into like the tongue feel of sugar and the Ooh, uh, the tongue feel the tongue feel and the uh, the uh, amount of time that it takes for the sugar to hit and how long it lasts and like the milliseconds in which that happens. But how much that can actually affect your brain and stuff. It's really interesting stuff. Explained is a really good series. It's like you can learn a little bit about a lot. Um, and there's tons it's of my tons favorite of thing. Yeah, right, exactly. There's like 20 episodes per season. But yeah, they just started season three. I'm really excited about it. Um, last thing I watched was also a documentary series on Netflix, uh, how to become a tyrant. Uh, it's another, it's kind of like an experimental documentary. Um, so I've scrolled right past this a bunch, but I've always like stopped and almost pressed play. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so if you're into like historical documentaries or, um, like serial killer podcasts, you're totally the type of demographic for this because how to become a tyrant, uh, the whole conceit is that it's basically a documentary series about tyrants, but the conceit is that they uh, present it as if it's kind of a uh, how-to, like, you know, guide. So, like, episode one was called uh, Seize Power, and it's all about um, Hitler and how how Hitler, Who? Seized, <laughs> how Hitler seized power over time and like the you know how he came to be, have influence within his political party these rallies that he went to how he almost blew his load too soon by like trying to see literally trying to seize power like physically before he had enough followers and stuff uh but you know it's talking about hitler but it's like make sure to add this to your playbook you know kind of thing but it's narrated by uh, peter dinklage which is super nice cool. um and uh, every episode, like I said, is going to be about a different tyrant. So the first one was Hitler. The second one's uh, Saddam Hussein. And there's crazy shit that you learn about it. Like Saddam Hussein, uh, his he like murdered his daughter's husbands and stuff. Like they escaped the country. And then he somehow convinced his daughters to convince their husbands to come back. And then as soon as they got back, he like locked them up, forced his daughters to divorce them, sent them to this house, and then sent a fucking execution squad and killed them. Like crazy fucking shit. Um, so it's goofy um when it like intercuts with the how you can do this as a tyrant but it's fascinating just to learn about these historical figures and how fucked up they really were you know 
like we grew up hearing all about Saddam Hussein, but to me, he was just some shadowy figure and to like learn all this shit about him. It's like, Oh God damn. Is there any kind of clever like reference to the current sociopolitical climate A wrapped into bit? these analyses of previous dictators? A little bit, but they, they kind of steer away from that. And I, and I think probably rightfully so, because it would age itself immediately if it were to hopefully. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, ideally. But, um, like there are slight nods. I, I feel like, uh, especially like early on the first episode about like, you know, how, you know, things are ripe for the taking or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably making up those words, but it's kind of the uh, impression that you get. Um, so not enough to make it noteworthy, but otherwise, like the the ties to current political times are pretty fucking obvious when you watch it. You know, right? There's anyway, enough there. There. So that's what I've been streaming. What about you? Uh, my current uh, streaming list, my crossing streams for this week, is a little strange. I had a weird week, um, but I wanted to also mention because when you were talking about Netflix Explained, um, you had said something about you can learn a lot. You can learn a little about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that reminded me of something I learned this week. Um, the, the old saying, a jack of all trades, master of none. Do you, you know, you know, that common mm -hmm. expression. Did yeah. you know that that's not the complete expression? I feel like I did know that probably, but that may just mean same wanting, like wanting to sound at the time that I heard that. I felt like, oh, this is new information, but with a slight familiar pang. Right. Because right. that's usually said as an insult somewhat or my dad would say it to make fun of like a sort of self-deprecating humor you know jack of all trades master of none focus on one thing because he knew a lot anything. about yeah. a little you know a little bit a lot of stuff as far as his like carpentry trade and stuff but it's actually a jack of all trades is a master of none but oftentimes better than a master of one so it's really not relevant to movies however i just wanted to Have you watch a master of none <laughs> No, Damn. it's a good oh, show. I watched crap. season one a long time ago, Hell yeah! but I uh, still got to catch one, two and three. But anyway, just want to throw that out to you. But yeah, I watched a lot of uh, random shit this week. So I did finish Fear Street. So Fear Street 1666 was the very first thing that I, I watched. I don't want to harp on too much about that. It's available on Netflix. We both talked about it, I think, the last two consecutive weeks. Mm. Um, but I did want to say that I feel like it stuck the landing. Um, I still think 1978 is the strongest of the three, which is Agreed. right in the middle. Agreed. Which is good. That's like a nice climax to, you know, the th and the the three film, uh, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, if you will. Yeah. Um, but uh, the third one, 1666, is a wonderful denouement. Um, they, they wrap things up. Well, there's a nice twist, you know, to reference the M night Shyamalan movie that we, we sh should have watched. I still um, want to see it. I'm gonna, yeah, we're going to see old. We're just probably not going to talk about it a whole lot. Maybe in crossing streams or something. Right. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, fear street, 1666. If you haven't started the fear street trilogy yet, please do. It's a hoot. Um, some good gore, but with a lighthearted tone, Annie Hoosel. I also had a chance to watch, uh, assault on Arkham which is a uh, Batman animated film oh, shit. on yeah. HBO max. Um, it was, it was made in 2014 and it stars, um, well, Kevin Con, it's the Kevin, Kevin Conroy, Conroy. Um, yeah. Batman voice. Uh, but the, the plot of this movie is uh, essentially it's a suicide squad plot. Okay. So one of the versions of the suicide squad is, is recruited and sent into Arkham asylum to break out uh, or steal a piece of Riddler's cane. Uh, but there's a, more things afoot. Um, so the only reason I'm bringing this up is I, I love Batman. I have tattoos of the Batman universe. Tattoos, the um, Russian lesbian band. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I like a lot of the comics and I've loved the Batman animated series. All of the films I'm talking, you know, Burton, Nolan, blah, 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 blah. Um, even the George Clooney one. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big fan. But however, I have not seen a whole lot of like DC universe animated films. Mm -hmm. So I've been making it a point to start watching those ever since I loved the Harley Quinn animated show so much. I really like this movie is what I'm trying to get at. You should check it out. And there's a bunch more that I need to watch like um, Justice League uh, Dark Apocalypse is a really good one. I hear okay. um, and, you know, right into streaming things pod at gmail.com. If you got some good recommendations, because there's a ton of them and a lot of them are shit. I'm sure this one was good. You know, there was some good violence, some good takes on the characters, highly enjoyable. I love the suicide squad as an idea in general, and they have a good, uh, a fun romp, if you will, so in this, this film. R or PG? It's rated R. Okay. Dope. And a lot of them are. That's why I 
want to watch them like that 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 intrigues me more yeah i didn't know that I, um you didn't know that about me or you didn't know that about no, the film? <laughs> i didn't know you were intrigued <laughs> you did know that um speaking of things i normally wouldn't watch um i had some traction on my tiktok this week uh, or the streaming things tiktok i should say but i asked some of the the followers about anime because i typically don't watch anime not like as a rule i just it's something i feel like is not for me i do like some of the very mature not like hentai mature but very mature films um like i like all the miyazaki stuff but also some stuff like ninja scroll akira perfect blue uh afro samurai Mm -hmm. i watched those in my teen years i absolutely love them um but they kept me engaged with their sex and violence right i never got into like pokemon or dragon ball z or those kinds of things and i have never even tried some of the huge linchpin oh, series is like didn't fuck with pokemon not really i mean i watched it with my buddy tyler in fourth grade but i really just like the cards and i didn't even play i just like the pictures and shit mm-hmm. um i'm very easily distracted um some Ooh, of them are shiny, shiny. Yeah. yes <laughs> so i asked you know hey if i want to try to like anime because anime's got a huge fandom of a rabid fan base oh, and i'm like what am i missing out on what do i not get um, so they gave me a ton of suggestions and I started with a, t- a couple of them. One is Death Note, the 2006 series, which I felt like was a safe bet because I had watched the film adaptation. Oh, you you did watch it, the Wingard movie? I did. Was it good? No, but I knew the rough story I did. I thought it was interesting. So I was like, hey, done well from the original creators. This might be a really neat story. And it is. It's very interesting. Um, I think it's awesome. Uh, the so the art, anime is way better than the movie. It is. The art direction's great. I mean, there's a lot more to work with. It's like 37, 22 minute episodes. So you really get an idea. It's really interesting though, because is it that is, are there really only 37 episodes? Yeah. It's got such a cultural impact. I felt like it had to have been longer. I mean, that's a lot. That's like, it's like three seasons ish. I don't even think it is that. Um, I think it's like one or two seasons. Cause it only ran from 06 to 07. But if you can think about it though, that's, over 11 hours i mean shit yeah. you know to tell a story um but the the protagonist is ex- he's not even anti-hero he's almost absolutely evil in a weird way it's interesting i, I highly suggest are you, you watch about it about like the monster guy or are you talking about like the kid no so what uh, for those that don't know what it's about is uh, a high school student a lot of anime is like high school age which sure. i think is what the appeal is to high school students <laughs> that read them however um it's about a high school student that stumbles upon a death note. It's a little notebook um, that in the grass, he picks it up. And what it is, is the possession of a Shinigami, I think is how you pronounce it, which in uh, is like a Japanese, you know, death demon, sort of like a grim reaper. Okay. Um, and so anyone whose name he writes in that book and thinks of their face will die uh, of a heart attack in the next 10 seconds unless their method of death is specified further on in the writing and then he can make them die in any way that he sees fit um and he just practices on like a criminal that's on the news the guy actually dies he goes holy shit so he goes on this rampage killing dozens and dozens of criminals and starts to feel this godlike power um, but the actual shinigami to whom it belonged uh, i think his name is ryuk um he can see him now as well. So the demon follows him around. They talk and have good banter. Like a venom um, thing. But quickly, there's like this ultra um, efficient, brilliant detective who by the name, code name L, who starts to try to hunt down who's behind these killings. Um, and so it's really the story so far. I'm only like six episodes in is about this master detective. And the kid is like uh, super high IQ as well. So he does these like geniusly creative things. Um, what's interesting about anime. And if you don't like anime, I'm sorry to go on so long about it, but it's <laughs> fascinating to me. They like a lot of exposition uh, or meta exposition almost anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it'll cut to uh Ryuk, the demon watching uh, this well-laid plan that the main character uh, had thought of unfolding and he'll like comment on it, but in a way that it's clearly so that the viewer understands how genius of a plan it was. <laughs> Look how fucking clever he's being. Yeah. It'd be like if Nolan just like walked into frame <laughs> and started to say some shit like, see, so this is the third layer of a dream. So it looks like he's tripping balls, but in fact, like the demon will just be like, Ooh, what a smart boy. This is, I cannot believe the intellect that it would take to think of this. He knew that she knew that he would think that that, and I'm like, no, I, I and part of me is like, 
I get it, man. Stick around for the credits. <laughs> I get it, man. You're ruining it. Like, you know what I mean? Swedish. <laughs> yeah. I don't, what's wrong with you? Sticking around before the credits. <laughs> and then clogs off screen. Old Swedish anime. Our favorite pastime. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm enjoying Death Note. Uh, that just killed it. Uh, <laughs> but I also started watching Hunter x Hunter, which is a little more childish, but equally awesome. That one's about, I don't even want to say what it's about because I don't really fucking know. I can't understand. <laughs> There's so much going on. But it's like this fictitious uh, island where all these people want to be hunters, which are like world-renowned monster hunters. And it doesn't even matter. The point I want to make real quick is that I had a breakthrough. I realized that anime is really just... The nerdiest, most high fantasy shit you can think of broken down and put through a different style, like this Japanese animation style, not just the style of how it looks, but they always have like this really weird atonal pop song slash heavy metal thing mm-hmm. book ending, you know, the, the episode, like the opening credits and the closing credits. It doesn't fit like the tone of the show doesn't matter. Right. Like it could oh, be yeah. like. Um, volleyball high school girls team or demon who murders dozens of people haunting young boy. Uh, it doesn't matter either way. Both the songs are going to be like, and it's like, okay. And the lyrics is always like ephemeral light of your earthly neighbor. I love you. Like The lyrics are fucking atrocious, man. And they always fucking uh, subtitle them. And it's like, who the fuck wrote this song and thought that was a banger? But the more you love the show, like right around the fourth episode, you start to bop your head. Like, yeah, ephemeral light of my destiny. <laughs> fuck yeah, this is a bop. Um, but Hunter x Hunter has been really entertaining. I watched it with my wife and, you know, it's kind of gave me like uh, Last Airbender vibes a little bit. Like it's just fun, light. Um, but a lot of genius stuff. I'm really excited to keep going. You know, you know, my hero academia, seven deadly sins, um, neon Genesis Evangelion. Like I haven't seen any of this shit. So I'm pretty excited to see what everybody's been talking about. I'll keep you updated if you're interested. Um, I also watched, and again, I told you it gets weird. Uh, this is mostly because of my wife and the fact that she smokes pot, but we watched, uh, Wanderlust, a 2012 movie written and directed by David Wayne starring, uh, and I should say everything I just mentioned, you can find on HBO Max, including Wander, oh, shit. Okay. including Wanderlust. Uh, but it stars Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. And this is a movie that I had never. Have you seen this movie, Andy? I have not. No. Every now and then these kind of like stoner comedies slip by me, um, especially during those years. Like, like 08 to like 2015, there were just a constant barrage of them. And then the, there was kind of diminishing returns. And so eventually I kind of tuned out. Well, this was actually produced by Judd Apatow. So that that explains that. I mean, that was the big Apatow boom Mm -hmm. that you're probably mentioning there. But what this movie is about is rattled by sudden unemployment. A Manhattan couple surveys alternate living options, ultimately deciding to experiment with living on a rural commune where free love rules. They join a cult? Sort of. Yeah. So it's uh, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. They're married in this tiny, tiny Manhattan apartment. Um, She's like a film director and he's like this, you know, accountant or stockbroker or something. He gets unexpectedly laid off right after they buy this like three million dollar closet to live in. Um, So they pack up their Honda Civic and they start driving and they get stuck essentially because of car reasons in this like nudist free love commune of hilarious characters. And it's like Catherine Hahn, you know, those oh, nice. people, it's awesome. Um, so they get stuck there. They have a great time and then they, they end up deciding to stay. And so the movie's about these two uptight Manhattan folk, you know, in this, like there's no doors in any bedrooms in the houses. Everybody's they're all polyamorous. So shenanigans ensue. It was touching. It was hilarious. I had a great time with it. And it's not like super bad or pineapple express or Step Brothers level funny. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be legendary 40 year old virgin or anything like that. However, uh, it is definitely worth a watch. I would say more like it's almost to like knocked up or this is 40 level, you know, oh, knocked up. I fucking love almost. This is, this is 40 I love you, man. Okay. Maybe I need to revisit Knocked okay, Up. I feel that. Um, but yeah, it's it's mid-tier is what I'm saying. It's definitely going to make you laugh. You're, you're not going to be mad you watch it. And that's available on HBO Max. Sounds like the nomad land we all deserved. Indeed. And then finally, 
Uh, I watched Edge of Tomorrow again. Fuck, just want to mention yes. that the 2014 film directed by Doug Lyman and written by Christopher McQuarrie, which I decided today upon my like eighth revisit that Edge of Tomorrow might be one of my favorite movies ever. It, yeah, it's just it's it so crisp and clean. It works on it's every wrong. level. It's in my top 10. I'm pretty sure. Isn't that crazy to say out loud, though? Yeah. Yeah. Like it might lift. I repeat. You know, <laughs> motherfucker. All you have is kill. I think that was what it was called. You take your citizen cane. I got live, die, repeat. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's just, it's brilliant. It's a tight script. It satisfies. It's full of action, but there's heart to it as well. You've got Emily Blunt doing the sunrise pose or whatever twice, mm-hmm. um, which is really twice. awesome. <laughs> I forgot at the end when he sees her again, she's like, Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just really love that movie. I think it's well done. And I like the whole, uh, what's the uh, Groundhog's Day becoming a genre thing. For some reason, like that pleases me. I watch every one, even the Happy Death Day horror films. I like those. Dude, those are fucking awesome. Thank you. They're Thank you. really good. Um, I really, they haven't made a bad Groundhog's Day knockoff movie yet. I don't think. I can't think yeah. of one. Yeah. Prove it. I'm with you. So anyway, but we watched something else, Andy, both of us, that's near and dear to us that I think Steve's watching right now as he's sick laying mm-hmm. in bed. And that is Ted Lasso season two. And uh, I want to report episode one specifically. But. Yes. The only the one episode's out because uh, Apple TV plus does that weekly release um, format. And you all know here streaming things. We absolutely are goo goo for Ted Lasso. We loved it. We just we think it deserved all 20 of those Emmys. Um, so I was a little hesitant about season two. I was like, yeah. oh no, how do you follow that? Can uh, you carry? And, and also season one dropped in such a unique time historically, right? Oh, yeah. We were all on lockdown, just needing, you know, Tiger King didn't give us like any kind of goodwill for humanity. We talk a lot about comfort food on the show, comfort food shows. That was comfort food internationally. Like that was like whole, holy fuck. Intravenously injected right. into everyone's veins. It was like what got us through fucking COVID was early on John Krasinski doing his some good news thing that that was blew the fuck up and he sold out and it was awesome. Good for him. Yeah. He sold out before there was no good news. You know, uh, that and fucking Ted Lasso are the two things that like made it okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I had just as much trepidation. Like, how do you follow that up? And they did it. Like, you, you right? Dude, they fucking, I love how they open it so fucking much. It's like, of course you did that. Of course you did that. So it opens with uh, Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas. Football he, is life. He his own, yeah, the football is life guy. It opens with him taking a penalty. They open halfway through a season, which was also cool. I thought it was going to be like, oh, we got put in relegation which apparently is a bad thing in soccer like if you're no good then it sounds bad demoted yeah re- it's not good work. nobody likes to be relegated so they they were at the end of season one they were relegated to whatever not premier league anymore and so that's like really bad for the club but so they they picked up not where you would have thought it would you would have thought it'd been like all right we got to get up by our bootstraps you know the type of thing ted lasso would say and you know we got to be a good team and we got to we're gonna work our way back you know what i mean the type we're going to bounce back like a, a brand new expensive tape measure. <laughs> um, don't you fret, Boba Fett. Um, I love Keely saying that. He said, don't you fret, Boba Fett. I got this. Um, but uh, you 100%, if I were trying to write Ted Lasso season two, I would have been like, okay, this is them trying to pick themselves up and get back. And it's kind of that, but like they jump in. I think they're in seven, their seventh game of the season. Uh, and they've tied every single game. Which happens a lot in soccer, but seven in a row is a fucking shitload. I believe they call it a droll. So it's uh, Danny Ro- right? Uh, Danny Rojas taking a penalty kick that could be the winner. They're finally going to win the first game. And they have this pet dog that is like their mascot. It's a mascot, yeah. Uh, that I don't remember that being in the first season, but I don't either. whatever. Um, that happens to get loose chasing after a bird. And I thought he was going to hit the bird. I really did. He hit the fucking dog. He killed the dog. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this Which is normally you can't do in a TV or, or film. Product. I know. I know. Right. If you kill the dog, 90% of the audience is fucking done. They make a point that it was aged, but the beautiful, beautiful soliloquy that he has about the, his neighbor's dog that bit him and how he took care of it as he got older. Like, it, like the show immediately, like brought you right back to the like extreme feel good heart that just like, 
thank fucking God, this is what I needed right now. Like within three minutes of the show starting, this is happening. And I'm like, okay, you guys fucking did it. And then it cuts to Danny Rojas in the shower, like talking, praying under his breath. And like the shower's running all his hair over his face. He's sitting there like signing the cross over his chest over and over again. I fucking died laughing. That was the funniest shit. Just the, the juxtaposition of those two shots. So just in those two opening scenes, I was like, okay, they did it. They fucking did it. Yeah, I mean, I I laughed and I cried in season two, episode one already. So, I mean, they still got it. All the heart. And you love those characters so much that you can't help but be entranced anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they made a good choice because the relegation is now just a new normal. And so they don't have to waste any space with conflict with that. Um, They can create new conflict while also maintaining the obvious struggle to return to their previous status. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a good move. I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I'm sure it will not be the last time we talk about Ted Lasso season two, which is available for you to watch on Apple TV plus, which brings us to our check the gate segment. That time I knew to wait. Nice. Because it. I always interrupt myself. So if you're new, check the gate is the segment wherein we here at streaming things, albeit sans Steve, bring you the hottest, freshest, steamiest takes in film and TV news that you can get. Literally anywhere else. You heard it here third. Is that Which what he is, says? Yes. Nice. That's typically what Steve says. It's gonna I'm, make, I'm trying to do all the Steve jobs. It's going to make me. Steve, Steve jobs. <laughs> oh, man. I'm even getting the Steve puns going. <laughs> man, I'm on fire. Fuck you, Steve. We don't need you anymore. I'm finding all the buttons on this thing. I'm fucking ready. Once Andy Let's gets go. the puns, you're done for, Steve. Actually, you still need to do the Dr. Brenner impersonation. Oh. Okay. That, we're a long oh, time. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're a long time coming from that. <laughs> all right. Ergen Flergen 11. <laughs> Why is Dr. Brenner Swedish? He's not. Steve, your job's safe for now. <laughs> Steve Jobs is safe. Okay. So I got a lot of film and TV news this week. I'm excited for, to check this particular gate. Um, Those gates. So Ridley Scott has a new film coming out on October the 15th of 2021, and it will be titled The Last Duel. Have you heard about this, Andy? I have not. Other than a little bit from me. The last duel. So do we know we, anything about the plot? We do. We know quite, there's a trailer available. It's oh, about okay. a woman. Uh, a woman claims she's been raped by her husband's best friend, Jean de Carouge. But when no one believes her accusation, her husband challenges his friend to a duel. The last legally sanctioned duel in the country's history. And this is, uh, is this based on a true story? I don't, I should have, I should have looked that up, but I did not. But did you know that it is written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? Oh, no shit. And also Nicole Holofcener. Oh. Um, so this could be the goodwill hunting of dual movies. Oh yeah, dude. Um, so I, I'm really excited about it. Not, not in the least because as Dan Trachtenberg on Twitter pointed out, um, Ridley Scott is, you know, up, upwards in age and his first film was called The Duelist. Um, so it might be a poetic plan of his to call this film the last duel and also be his last film. Um, that would be really layered, though, now that I know the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a coinky dink. Um, but that would be very sad to see him stop making movies. He's a legend, but an interesting way to to stop his career, you know, to end it. So it's almost like Ridley Scott just has has had his finger on the pulse of society for so long he he saw how much hamilton blew up the world and he's like you know what people really like are duels, duels. yeah Man, it's fucking aaron Burr, but only sir. if they know how they end exactly even though i didn't <laughs> and he even says it in the, the beginning <laughs> what's gonna happen i'm the fool that shot him uh yeah i'm an idiot um, also, on september the 10th so about a month prior to the last duel we will get a new film from legendary horror director James Wan, and it is called Malignant. And here is the plot summary. Paralyzed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. Oh, shit. Um, They're doing a fucking uh, Nightmare on Elm Street type of shit. A bit, yeah. Um, I, I really love James Wan's style. I think you do too, Andy. You're oh, big, absolutely. You're a bigger horror fan than I am. He creates these in- incredible franchises, and the first one of all of them are 
incredible. And then they fucking pound them into the dirt, beat the horse to death. But when he comes like, I got a fresh one, guys, I'm fucking there. Yeah. I'm so stoked. Him and, and uh, Mike Flanagan, I think, um, are just absolute. I don't even care what it is. I'll go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I mean, they got like. Dude, an Haunting a Hill House I, is bar none, like. Other than Stranger Things, is which the is best. Flanagan, right? It, yeah, is the best thing on Netflix. And why not to? We're talking about Juan here, but to switch to Flanagan gear for a second, mm-hmm. it's just mind-boggling to me. I need to revisit it. I feel like Blind Manor. Blind Manor sucked so hard. Yeah, I, I didn't finish it. Compared, I didn't either. I think I made it like two episodes in. The and characters I really annoyed me too much. Screw and Henry James and shit. I just like this was it, honestly it, it was like reading J.K. Rowling's first book after Harry Potter, The Casual Vacancy. It's mm-hmm. like I can tell this is good, but this is super not what I wanted from you, right? You know. Yeah, and right. So I like yeah, Blind Manor. I was just like I just feel like there was like a absolutely splendid. Yeah, I was gonna say there was a screeching little up. British person in it that I just couldn't stand. I think not that I, I love. Hey, that was a pretty good accent. I'm, I love the English. I'm just saying Andy. that little girl was annoying. I got right? JFK and I got the Blind Manor girl. Yeah, you're doing great, buddy. I mean, it didn't sound remotely Swedish. Swedish uh, <laughs> Kiyuk or whatever his name was fucked it all up. Yeah, uh, Ryuk. But does in Sweden it's pronounced Kiyuk actually? I think so. That nails it. Um, <laughs> in other news, I, I don't know why I didn't do these in a different order because I started with Ridley Scott in October, James Wan in September. Now I'm bringing you the hot news that you're getting another show on Netflix in August. <laughs> so pretty soon I'll be talking about what came out yesterday. Um, this is called Nightmare of the Wolf. It's a it's a Witcher anime movie. Um, so it's not live action. It's anime. Um, and this movie is about Vesemir. In his adventure. So it's a prequel. So Vesemir's the, the witcher that trained. Yes. Uh, uh, Gerald, right? Gerald, yeah. V- right? Vesemir is Geralt's mentor. Um, I'm really excited about this. I like a lot of the, li- uh, excuse me, a lot of the anime stuff that Netflix does specifically as, as, as far as adapting other properties. Like I'm a huge fan of the Castlevania anime, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't mention earlier when I talked about my anime forays, because I don't feel like that counts. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I love all things Witcher. I'm so excited for the Witcher season two. So I will definitely be watching this day and date on August 23rd. That's Nightmare of the Wolf, the Witcher. Um, again, a prequel about Vesemir, who's a very different Witcher than Geralt. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Yeah, totally. Um, in other news, this isn't check the gate stuff typically, but I kind of wanted to change a little bit of the way it was and kind of mention things that have released in case you didn't know anyone to watch them that we didn't talk about in our crossing stream segment because we didn't watch them. So as we mentioned old, by the time you hear this will be, you know, about three days, uh, three days out into its theatrical release. Um, He-Man, um, the new masters of the universe Mm -hmm. show, um, revelations. Yes. Brought back by Kevin Smith himself. Um, that debuted on Friday as well. So a couple of days ago, as you're listening to this, I didn't check that out. Kevin Smith. You know, all of us wanted to watch and talk about it because we love Kevin Smith so much. I did watch uh, like probably first 10 minutes of the first. And I don't know about Steve because he's been sick. I haven't talked to him, but you and I both realized um, and a few other friends of mine that aren't on the show that I talked to, like, you know, I'm 32. So. The original He-Man show was more of like my older brother's thing. Mm-hmm. Like I got his toys, but right, I didn't yeah, really know who they were. Like I had a Skeletor and a green tiger. I'm like, why does this green tiger have a helmet? I don't give a fuck. It's badass. <laughs> I didn't watch the show. I had Ninja Turtles and Batman animated series and gargoyles and Rugrats. Hell yeah. X-Men. I haven't thought about gargoyles. Man. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing know. Duck. Why the fuck would I watch He-Man? So there's no nostalgia in this for me. And as you pointed out, and as I read, this picks up with a lot of original Masters of the Universe lore. Mm-hmm. Like, this is for diehard fans of that show. Right? Am I wrong? Because yeah, I didn't watch any of it. I just really feel like it's not going to be for me. Like, they do a pretty good job of setting up the world in, like, the opening monologue or whatever. Um, but the uh, just the general feel of it was like, yeah, like, if you gave a fuck about this show, there's a lot going on right now that you could be getting a lot out of this. But... I, I'm just not the demographic. I don't know shit about it. I love Kevin Smith. So for me, it was just a, another Saturday morning cartoon that was mildly entertaining. And I'm just like, uh, right. I, I, I'm not going to watch a full season of this, you know? So I, I, I bailed out pretty early, but it definitely seemed quality. Like it hit the way you would expect a Saturday morning cartoon to like, it looks like he did his job. Well, I just don't think it's made for me. 100%. But if you're into that sort of thing, it is available on Netflix. Um, Snake Eyes was also released. I haven't heard any buzz 
good or ill about it. Um, I saw it got some pretty good reviews. It's raking in like sevens, you know? Yeah. I really think it's, it's, it's going to be entertaining. The next time I go to a theater is going to be for pig. Um, and then after that green night on Thursday. So I don't know that I'll get a snake eyes in, but I really would like to see it on the big screen. Get to see pig when you see it. Cause that was dark. I want to see, Oh, I get it literal dark, like the bulb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go to a different theater room. I'll be like, no nine for me, sir. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so snake eyes is out. Um, and I also want to talk briefly about some of the movies getting delayed due to COVID variant Delta. Um, are there more? Somewhat. I don't have specific dates. I just I want you to know that there's a general buzz about um, abroad for us because we live in America. So like some UK releases are getting pushed back is what you're saying. And it's really just studios fearing, you know, anticipatory lockdowns, Mm -hmm. um, which would be like, holy shit. They don't want another Um, tenant on their hands. If they push Dune back again, um, which brings me to my last thing. The Dune trailer finally dropped a couple days ago. And it's a three minute long trailer it looks so it does look beautiful but what is the need for a three minute trailer i dude i don't know it it did i I mean i'm sure it's a very long movie we went to separate rooms we're like we'll watch it independently and then reconvene yes and i came in i'm like let's fucking go and you're just sitting there on tiktok but whatever uh i mean it did nothing to excite me more about the movie really knowing the cast and knowing the director That's all I need to be. I mean, my excitement, not because it's not a good trailer or not a good movie. It's because my excitement's already so high that it's unnecessary. I feel, I guess it it excited me because it gave us a little more of a glimpse into the tone of the film. Like we've gotten a lot of like the cinematography and you have like kind of a general assumption when you uh, know that Denis Villeneuve is making a movie that it's going to be pretty somber. But yes, I mean, I was going to say, do we need a tonal? indicator i mean have you seen arrival have you seen blade runner 2049 have you seen prisoners but i was actually pretty surprised that there was a couple of stabs of comedy in there that hit pretty well you know and i like some really like heartfelt moments oscar isaac's lines in that uh trailer were particularly good and uh jason momoa had a couple of funny bits and uh yeah like it, it just surprised me like it looked like they were leaned humor now i don't know shit about dune i've never read it i never saw the movie I, I, I've never read a synopsis. I have no clue what Dune is about. So I am so stoked. It's about space sand and Fuck worms. Yeah. And there's a giant butthole. Oh, it's I know tr- from it's watching the, the trailer. Universe, right? I think so. Dope. Um, Timothy Chalamet fighting a giant butthole. And that drops on October the 22nd. <laughs> 2020. Yeah, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there, Andy. <laughs> Steve's not here to stop us. Um, and because there's no Steve... I believe that is the denouement, to throw back my French word pronounced perfectly from earlier. Ooh, nailed it. Of our show today. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We did finally start using our podcast Twitter, at StreamThingPod. Just put streaming things in the search bar. You'll find us. StreamingThingsPod at gmail.com if you want to write us. We've, we didn't tell you the voicemail, but fuck off. It is 859-757-4051. You can also follow us on Twitter, Chris, C. Michael writes, I am at Andy Most Days, and Steve is Steve May 13. At Steve May 13. We love you, Steve. We miss you. Oh, we'll see see you, you next week for Green Night. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.